0: Pastor Paul has been leading us through the book of Ephesians, and as we've been studying the book of Ephesians, it's interesting to note that it's not addressed to a specific person, nor is it addressed to a specific problem like other books and letters that Paul has written. He writes letters to Timothy and Titus, for instance. He writes 1 Corinthians as a way of defining what it means to be an apostle and what he believes and what he's teaching. And, And he often addresses specific issues in churches, but in Ephesians, he's giving to us two different portions. The first part of the book is revealing for us a powerful positional statement. 35 times in the book of Ephesians, he uses the term, in Christ. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 2, we read, beginning in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In Christ. In Christ we are saved. In Christ we are strengthened. In Christ we are guided for good works. In Christ we are sustained. In Christ. From this position of being in Christ, Paul then, through the book, prompts us into action. Chapter 4, he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner, verse 1, worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he says in chapter 5, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Our position is in Christ. Our calling is to now live out our faith. We are loved by God, and we are now to live for God very conscious that people come to church for a variety of reasons. Some of us come to church because God has been doing a wonderful thing in our life and we want to give glory and praise to God and thank Him for the things that are happening. The positive example of His work in our life and the way that as we are trusting Him, He is revealing Himself more and more uh, to us. Some of us come to church at times beginning to question if God is big enough, is God there? Can God handle my stuff? And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 to 17, and in this passage, as we reflect upon it, I want to illustrate for you that God is big enough for our stuff. And some of us come searching. Longing, hoping, wishing, desiring, a sense of hope, forgiveness, life, meaning, purpose. And you come wondering if a relationship with God being possible is real. This morning as well, I want to show you that from Ephesians chapter 5 and other passages... That we can be in Christ and find life and hope and meaning. After the conversation this morning that I'm going to have with you, I'm going to invite you to consider a public demonstration. We've got, uh, Sean has has put these tables up here with uh, beautiful footprints on them as a symbol of walking, as a symbol of following, a symbol of being in obedience to Christ. And so this morning, if you find yourself coming to a place of realizing that the questions that I have of God, that once again I can affirm my trust in Him, you may want to consider a public demonstration of that. Or if you realize that I want to come and understand who God is, you may want to make a public demonstration of that. Or as you're thinking about what we talk about today, or as you're thinking about the words as we've been singing, the name of Jesus, the power of the name of Jesus, and questions keep coming up into your mind, or, or prayer requests come up into your mind, take a, take a moment and take one of the, the cards that are in the chairs in front of you, and, and if you want us to pray for you, write them out, hand them to me, or hand them into the baskets in the back and we'll pray for you. You want to talk to us? Come talk to us. To realize that as we live in Christ, there is life. The city of Ephesians was a bustling place, it was a fantastic place. Not only was it the hub of commerce, but there within the city they took pride and joy in the temple that had been built for Diana or Artemis, depending if you were using the Roman or the Greek name. This temple was considered one of the seven wonders of the world, and people came to it, flocked to it, rushed to it, hoping to find solace with the gods. There was a huge economic mainstay of selling icons and sorcery. Acts 19 tells us about that. And here within this city that Paul ministered for a number of years, three years some estimate, a group of believers fashioned it together and they formed themselves a nucleus to stand against the evils of their society in order to demonstrate their faith. They took it seriously. They lived courageously for God. They were able to articulate the truth, able to defend their understanding of what Christ was doing in and through them. And yet, Jesus in Revelations chapter 2 says, you've lost your first love. I wonder at times if it's possible to become so heavenly minded that we're no longer of any earthly good. For a long time, I've been thinking, what does a journey of faith look like? What are the metaphors that we use to describe what some have termed a pilgrimage? And that great book, Pilgrim's Progress, reminds us that that we come to faith, and in this journey of faith, we go through different passages, the slew of despond. We go through different areas of of combat and different areas of discouragement to come finally to the Celestial City. It's a winding course. It's not from A to B. There's a winding, miranding path that we go through. And I can relate to that. I can relate also to this notion of, of faith being a race. We run the race set before us. I can understand that. Getting up in the morning getting myself ready, facing the challenges of each day. But I'm beginning to wonder or beginning to think that possibly these metaphors which are so familiar, while true, may not necessarily encapsulate everything that trusting and believing in Jesus entails. And as I begin to to wrestle with this new metaphor, new picture of what it means to trust Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ, I find my Mennonitum being challenged. As a staunch Mennonite, grade 8 dances were anathema. And you would go to these clinging the walls in fear and trepidation that somehow, somewhere, you may have to converse with a girl. And not only to do that, but then actually have to... Oh, we won't use the D word. And so I remember clinging to the wall, hoping that somehow I could... Extradite myself to go into the hallway to get a drink from the fountain or wait until that blessed moment when the bell rang and this ordeal was finally over. Mustering up the courage, Hi! (laughs) (laughs) And I begin to realize that possibly trusting Jesus in Christ is more like a dance but it's not a dance where you are being with a partner rather it's a dance with you being a little child and standing on the feet of your father and the only one hearing the music is dad and dancing in the kitchen and yet we know what happens as soon as you don't cling and relax, you end up on the linoleum. I like dancing. I'm not very good. And, 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 it, and it became something that I, that I appreciated when we moved to Lithuania. Lithuania is a country of dancers. And we would uh, go to a church meeting and a dance would break out. True, true, it would happen. And the people danced all the time. In fact, our kids learned to dance in kindergarten and they would come home and they would teach us in the kitchen because they would say, I'm not taking you to another school meeting if you don't know how to dance. We would embarrass them silly. But I'm beginning to grapple with this notion that to be in Christ is a lot like A child wrapping their arms around the legs of their father. Dancing in the kitchen. And are we willing to do that? Ephesians chapter 5. Invites us in chapter 1. Or in verse 1, to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. John introduces us to that concept in John chapter 1, verse 12. He says, All who have received him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What does it mean to be a child of God, a dearly loved child? I think John describes that in the words of Christ when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send a Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. As dearly loved children, we recognize that we are loved by God. We're to walk as wise. Ephesians five fifteen, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because your, the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The wise recognize their need for God. Chapter 5, verse 13 reminds us that anything exposed by the light becomes visible. We recognize that we need God to expose things. We recognize our transformation. Chapter 5, verse 8. One time you were in darkness, but now you are in our light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And we recognize our need to express outwardly the internal reality of God's presence in verse 15. Walk carefully. Jesus says in John chapter 14 that if anyone knows my commandments or if anyone loves me, they will keep my commandments. 14 verse 23. He begins that passage, that that chapter, realizing that there is a place prepared for us. He introduces us to this long-term relationship. And the relationship is borne out in trust. born out in depending upon Jesus. If anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments. What are the commandments that Jesus is referring to? Well in Matthew chapter five verse seven where I like to go, we find for us what is often termed the Sermon on the Mount, which could have been a collection of sermons that Jesus traditionally gave, all compiled together for easy access. Luke records for us a summation of that in Luke chapter six, and throughout his book he records different parables that Jesus used in order for us to understand what it means for the kingdom coming to earth. The theme of Luke is to seek and to save that which was lost. And I believe it's the Gospel of Luke that Paul used as the instrumental component of his teachings. Because he gives for us the chronology of who it was that Jesus presents. In fact, the highlight of Luke is chapter 15. Where Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost Luke 15 tells us three incredible stories the lost coin, the lost sheep, the wandering, and lost older son. And I think it's that third story where we often find ourselves identified. Sometimes we're wandering, and we go to a place of refuge in our own creation. And sometimes, like the older son, though we remain outwardly reliable, we are inwardly revolting. Inwardly rebelling against the things of God, a relationship with God. The wise know that they are loved by God. And they know that Being loved, they can live for God. Our foundation is rooted in Christ. Who are we in Christ? And our focus remains in seeking after wisdom. In Ephesians chapter 5, we find that in the next two verses, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Or in another translation, making the most of every opportunity and in verse 17, understanding what the will of the Lord is. When situations come our way, when circumstances arise, are we able to make the most of every opportunity? Are we able to see that we are in Christ? No matter what happens, no matter what comes our way. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, if Five and, uh, chapters 5 to 7, we have uh, highlights or headlines of the things that happen in life. Anger. Lust. Divorce. Trustworthiness. Retaliation. Loving our enemies. Generosity. Priorities. Religious observances, anxiety, judging others. And we look through this litany of headlines and we begin to question in ourselves Am I doing what Christ commands? When Jesus says, You've heard it said, You should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How are we doing? The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Love is patient, kind, not easily angered, keeps no records of wrongs. And while it sounds nice in a wedding, it also applies to our enemies. I can't do that. There's no way that I can wake up in the morning, put on my boots, suck it up, and do that. It has to be only in Christ. And then he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And I find that I am so easily prone to grasp things, to hoard, to hold on to. And as I look in the mirror and recognize that my days of working for a paycheck are at some point coming to an end, I begin to think, will my days of breathing outlast my ability to pay for it? And then the following, he says, do not be anxious about your life. And I've just created a huge amount of anxiety. And he says, don't be anxious. How are we able to do that? Only in Christ. The natural tendency, the natural bent, is to fret, to fear, to become discouraged, disillusioned, dis- disheartened. And yet when we look and realize that we are in Christ because I am loved by God, because I am, I am His child, I do not need to be adulterous, I do not need to be greedy, I do not need to be vengeful or rude or angry or bitter or self-seeking. Why? Because I am God's child. And I can take every opportunity that comes my way, every situation that comes my way, and seek out Christ. Scripture says, Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. There is no temptation but such as is common to man, and he has provided a way of escape. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Present your request to God and the peace of God which is beyond understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Does it work? Or is God too small? And have we found ourselves slipping from being in Christ. In John, again, we are urged in John chapter 8: I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To walk in the ways that Jesus wants us to walk, the opportunities. To be judged or to live in Christ's teaching. Not looking for any kind of restrictions on behavior, but to look for how God wants to work in and through us. Opportunities become our avenues of expressing our love for God with our love for others. Our future is secure Romans chapter 12, the Apostle writes for us, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. No longer be consumed By the patterns of the world, which are fear and anxiety and discouragement and despair. But allow yourself to be transformed in the dance. As we find ourselves clinging to Christ, not sure where he will step, but allowing us the freedom to relax in him. In Christ. What does that begin to look like? Paul goes on in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. How are we doing? In the franticness of life, we often miss the opportunities to express our faith. I don't believe for a moment that retiring is any easier or that suddenly you have more time on your hands. Suddenly your schedule becomes your own. and You fill it with the things that can either be urgent or important. And is it important to love as we have been loved? To outdo one another in showing honor. To rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, constant in prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints and showing hospitality. The wise know that they live only like this as they experience it in Christ. This morning's conversation has been a bit rambling. And it's been like that kind of in purpose for us to realize a couple of things. First, that the person of Jesus is real and trustworthy. Trustworthy. And the stuff of life is as real and calls us to either trust or to shrink back. And where we trust, we find ourselves clinging to Christ and the way that he moves, the rhythms, the seasons the moods and he directs us to places of becoming more like him in our referencing to the opportunities and situations that come our way and so this morning if you find yourself in a place of of reflection and say i've been slipping i've been realizing that i've been not finding God trustworthy in the situations and the stuff of my life and I want to. Maybe you want to recommit yourself in a public fashion and you're invited in the next couple of songs to come up and just put your name down on on these uh, pieces of paper here. Or maybe you're questioning where does God fit? How does a relationship with Christ fit in my life? You may want to just take some time to think about it. Paul tells us in Romans that if we call on His name and believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. You may want to write something down on one of the cards and put it in the back and say, you know, I want you to pray for me about this situation or I want you to, to, to have the opportunity to talk to me about this. And do that. Maybe you want to reaffirm your desire to follow God, maybe you want to recommit yourself to following God in a public fashion, and you're welcome to come and do this today as you look at these uh, opportunities up here. Why? Church is not entertainment. It's a conversation that we have with God. It's an opportunity that we have to open up our hearts to God and say, this is where I'm at. Come, meet with me. This is where I'd like to be at. Come, come, and draw me. Because if we don't see ourselves as dearly loved children, then we simply see ourselves as pawns in a game of fate. And as dearly loved children, with a father who is intimately concerned for us, intimately knowledgeable of us, When we open our hearts and minds to Him, we begin to realize that no matter what the situation is that I find myself in, God is there. And like it says in scriptures, we are able to rejoice with those who rejoice, finding strength and victory in Christ. And we're able to weep with those who weep finding solace and comfort in Christ. And So this morning, as the team comes, come on up team, as the team comes and leads us in a couple of songs, consider if God is asking you to make a public demonstration once more of your desire and availability to walk Dance with Him. In the situations that come your way, to trust in Him. In the the opportunities that present themselves to rely on Him.